Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets that are important to you. Last week we lost Mimi Parker, the drummer and vocalist for the Duluth, Minnesota slowcore band Low. I discovered Low in 2001 with their excellent album, Things We Lost in the Fire. And even though that album came out at the beginning of that year, I've come to forever connect it with the events that happened in the United States in September of 2001. After Things We Lost in the Fire, I went back and collected all their LPs and continued to love and follow the band's recorded output right up through last year's Hey What. Mimi Parker's voice was angelic. To hear it is to be comforted and swaddled. Listening to Mimi sing with her husband and bandmate Alan Sparhawk is a truly transcendent experience. Mimi's passing is a sincere loss for independent music. She will absolutely be missed. Rest in peace, Mimi Parker. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on this program, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my novels. I'm the author of 10 self-published books that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way... Here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners! This is episode 254 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Thank you for spending time with me. Can you hear that in the background? Should I turn it up a little bit? The drum's going to kick in in a moment. Yeah, if you've been following popular music at all, and you've uh, spent any time listening to what's charting, you might have heard Dragon 21 Savage's new album. It's, it's something... I have never been a huge Drake fan. I've always been the kind of person that, at least for me, I, I hear one of his songs and I listen to it a lot. <laughs> and then I burn out on it almost within a day or two. It's it's a weird, weird thing. I don't uh, I don't uh, know how to uh, describe it. And I, But I have to assume that this has something to do with his mass popularity. Obviously, he's hugely popular. But I have to figure that everybody else is kind of on the same bandwagon where they're immediately into it. So there's a lot of interest and he charts right away. And then maybe their interest fades. Or maybe he's got some hardcore fans. I imagine, you know, he's managed to sustain sustain a career as long as he has. Good for him. It's uh, it's definitely an unusual career. You'd never think that somebody would go from uh, being a Canadian dramatist in a, in a TV show 
<laughs> for young people, uh, and all of a sudden reach the heights in the world of hip-hop uh, in America and beyond in the world. But uh, good for him, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a good pairing, I suppose, in his case with 21 Savage, where uh, 21 Savage is... Uh... <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, man. He's not very good, in my opinion. He's not, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a little dull. If you if you ask me, and I don't mean to suggest that he's not intelligent, I just mean his his rapping, and maybe it's just his style is lethargic. It sounds lethargic to my ears, and I suppose it makes Drake sound all that much better. But I suppose good for Drake for saying, "Hey, if I pair myself with this guy, I'm going to sound amazing." <laughs> Hardcore Drake fans are going to probably disagree with me, but uh, that's fine. That's what it's all about. We all have our, our differences of opinion, and and admittedly, I've listened to this album a couple times, and. Uh, but again, it's that sort of thing where I listen and I like, and then I, I, I burn out very, very quickly. But um, the production on it is very good. And this is a this is a instrumental, obviously, that I found on YouTube from somebody calling themselves Thama or Thama. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pot it down real gently here. Here we go. Not too bad. <laughs> anyway, hope you folks are doing well. Uh, I celebrated my anniversary last week with my wife, 22 years. Happy anniversary, Julie. Uh, I woke up on uh, on our anniversary day at 3 a.m. <laughs> because I realized I forgot to buy an anniversary card. Yes, I can admit it now. Uh, if my wife is listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I, I, I got up at 3 a.m. I said to myself, my goodness, I forgot an anniversary card. You better get yourself to a uh, 24-hour store that sells greeting cards immediamente so i i did i i left the house it was weird like i was leaving the house and i'm like you know i live in a i live in a city well i live in the suburbs of a city you know and it's not like you know i i suppose you know you, you think of a city and you think of congestion and a lot of people in 3 a.m in a place that's congested with a lot of people it can sometimes be a little sketchy right but, you know, I, I suppose I, you know, comparatively, I, I live in New England. I live in a city in southern New Hampshire. It's, it's I'm sure, you know, there's crime, but I don't know, you know, how severe the crime is. I try not to pay attention to the local news, and maybe I should. You know, I, I pay attention to world news, but not so much local news. So I don't know, I don't know how bad things are, <laughs> you know, uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of, um, in terms of crime, you know. But, but I'll tell you, I was leaving the house, and I said, you know what, Andy, you got a lot of important things in your wallet, and it is 3 a.m., and you do live in a city, albeit, you know, a, a, a city in New England, in in, in New Hampshire. <laughs> maybe maybe just take what you need. So I, I did. I literally took, like, $20 and, uh, and uh, my license, because I'm driving, and who knows, you know, I might get pulled over or something. So that's all I had in my pocket, and I drove to a CVS. Again, it was 3 a.m. It was probably about 3.15 a.m. by the time I got there. And there were only two cars in the parking lot. It's a fairly big CVS, 24-hour CVS downtown. And I walked inside, and I saw nobody. <laughs> like, nobody behind the counter. <laughs> Didn't look like anybody was in the pharmacy in the back. And I was like, oh my god. It's like, it was like a ghost town. It was like, a, you know, it's like as if the world had ended. And I walked into a CVS, but, you know, all the lights were on. It was obviously open. The electric doors opened up and everything. And I just thought, okay, well, let's get what you came to get and get out of here. So I went, and not only did I get a, uh, 
an anniversary card for my betrothed, but I got a, uh, a birthday card for my father, and I got one from uh, my daughter to give to my father, because his birthday is uh, this coming week. And, uh, and I was sitting there looking at these cards, and all of a sudden, there's a gentleman walking toward me. And it was a heavyset guy, and uh, he says, hey. And I looked over at him, and he did not work in the store. And I said, uh, I said, oh, I thought I was the only lunatic here at 3 a.m. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, I said, uh, I said, and I, I didn't know what to, to do. So I just said, uh, yeah, I, I woke up at, I woke up 15 minutes ago. I realized I forgot to get my wife an anniversary card. So here I am, you know, I'm just trying to make conversation. And the guy goes, yeah, Antoine. And he held out his hand, you know, black gloved hand, meaning like a black leather glove. And I shook his hand. And uh, he said, um, can I have $7 for cigarettes? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it was like not what I expected, you know? And I said, Antoine, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I, left, I left the house with enough cash to get these cards. And it was, it was like literally like the cards, I'll tell you what, greeting cards are expensive. It, was, it came to $18 and change for three greeting cards. I had a 20 on me. So I was I was being honest. I said, Antoine, I I give it to you if I have it, but I I do not I do not have it. I have enough money for these cards. And he's like, All right, man. And he turned around and walked away. <laughs> and then I I went up and I paid for my card. And I'll tell you what, I went up to pay for these greeting cards. Again, nobody behind the counter. I had to do the automatic checkout. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm like, like there's nobody. Like I could literally like take whatever I wanted. I mean, I'm sure there's cameras, you know, but. Literally, not a soul. Not even Antoine. He had disappeared completely. And I bagged up my cards and I went home and uh, and my wife woke up two hours later, none the wiser. And there's a, you know, I had the card and all was saved, you know. Anyway, uh, I thought I'd share that story. Uh, oh, I got something else I want to share. This is this is kind of kind of mind-blowing. At least it was for me. I was like, I, I can't believe this. I, I, I watched this a couple times and I was like, this is absolutely insane now. Some of you may remember in the 1990s, I was in, you know, I was uh, in, in school in the late 80s, early 90s. Maybe it was the late 80s, early 90s that this happened. But Paulie Shore had a show on MTV uh, after school, and I loved it. He'd host videos, and he would, uh, and in between the videos, it would be him, like, walking around downtown L.A., around, like, the Comedy Store area. You know, the Comedy Store, obviously his mom is um, Mitzi Shore, the owner of the Comedy Store, so... It'd be him going into places and talking to people and mixing it up and uh, flirting with girls and whatnot and then introducing videos and then they, they'd go to a commercial and they'd come back and it would be Polly doing something else wacky. And I, I loved it. I, I thought it was so funny and in such a great way to to watch music videos. And and I understand, like, Polly Shore at the time, and I think probably still, is, you know, an acquired taste. He's got a very distinctive style. He's very odd. <laughs> but I loved him, you know what I mean? I loved to watch him, and I loved to watch him goof around with people, and I always thought it was fun. Anyway, I was on TikTok this past week, and I was watching videos, and I found this video from his show, and it must it, I don't know if this was from the MTV show. It almost looks like it might have been something that he shot for the pilot in order to maybe try to get himself through in the door, but it's Polly Shore interviewing a four-year-old, get this, Bruno Mars. Yeah. Four years old. So it's it's a young Polly Shore, 20-something Polly Shore, with Bruno Mars as a four-year-old. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but Bruno Mars, as a, a four-year-old, was an Elvis impersonator. And I knew this. I remembered 
reading about it when when he was on the cover of Rolling Stone, and I was, uh, and you know, obviously he's a good-looking fellow. So as you can imagine, he made a very very adorable uh, young young boy. You know, <laughs> so so they did up his hair and they gave him the Elvis suit and everything, and of course. You know, he got out there and danced, and you know he could do the um, the lip curl and everything, and uh, and yeah. Anyway, this is this is fascinating. So I'm going to play a little bit of this for you. It starts off. Uh, Bruno doesn't do so much of the talking as as Paulie does, but uh, I was fascinated. I'm going to share this with you right now, and I'll stop and we'll talk about it uh, in pieces. Here, here it is. Here is here is a twenty-something Paulie Shore interviewing a four-year-old Bruno Mars. Check it out. How you guys doing today? Nice to see you. My next guest on my show is Bruno. <laughs> you see Bruno there, he's wearing a striped Bruno, shirt. Um, it says right here, you're the world's youngest Elvis impersonator. And you've been seen on NBC's Inside Report, CBS's Small Talk, and CNN's World News. He's taking Waikiki by storm. Show, huh? That was just the intro. Okay, just to set the scene a little bit here. It's at night. They're outdoors. I'm assuming they're in Hawaii, where Bruno's from. But you can hear, um, it sounds like there's something going on in the background. You see a lot of lights in the background. I don't know if they're they're just outside of a, a very busy district and just found a, a, a quiet place to, to shoot this. But uh, yeah, here, here I'm going to play a little bit more for you because you'll hear Bruno talk. Here we go. What do you guys want to ask him? Huh? Oh, yeah, can you show some moves? What about the lip? Do them lip thing. He's doing a little lip curl Come and close closing on in it. on it. You can tell it's Bruno Mars. You know. <laughs> Same okay, thing. Cool. What about, like, do, like, a couple little moves real quick? Because he'll Elvis with some Bruno. He's doing a little dance. Shaking his hips. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Okay. So um, we'll be back right after these messages here on my, uh, my little show. Is that okay, Bruno? Okay. Okay. You having a good time? Yeah. Or is it pretty boring, huh? No. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, I guess my questions. Be right back. You, you can tell, again, I, I have to assume that this was shot, again, perhaps as a trial uh, to possibly get Polly in the door, if only because the show has no name. It seems, it seems, he seems very... Um, kind of awkward like he hasn't figured out his rhythm yet and i mean polly uh anyway you're gonna this is this is about half over i just wanted to play the rest for you because you'll hear bruno talk but it, he's you know he's, he's a cute kid and it's just it, it just blew my mind i was like oh my god that's a four-year-old bruno mars and a 20-year-old polly shore holy crap okay so here it is here's a little bit more of this you'll hear uh bruno speak with polly now That's cool, man. You seen me before? Yeah, a lot of times. Oh, God, I'm so flattered. I mean, a, a big star like you seen me before. That makes me feel real nice, Bruno. Cool, crazy. <laughs> okay, so you gonna show me Elvis? What? Okay, he's standing up now. What's the first Elvis move? Yeah, Polly is trying to mimic Bruno's Elvis moves. <laughs> what? What else? That's it? Okay. Okay, watch. Let me try it. Is that cool? What? Yeah. What's another one? Michael Jackson, buddy. 
He does a good Michael Jackson, too. Paulie's doing the kick. Bruno's got the Michael Jackson down pat. Okay. Well, that's it for me and Bruno. We'll see you next, uh, see you next, uh, Monday, right? Check him out. What's another one? Michael Jackson, buddy. There you go. I think it just repeats from there. But isn't that fascinating? I, you know, I always get a kick out of that. I, I don't know if you saw this, but... You know, a couple years ago, they'd unearthed a video of Prince as, like, I think he was probably nine years old, being interviewed on the street in regard to some local politics. And it's just like, you look at him, and it's like, oh, my God, that's, like, that's Prince. And you hear his voice, and you're like, that's him! You know, <laughs> it's a nine-year-old kid. I'm always fascinated by that. I don't know how far back these things go, you know. I think I think there was a video once, and you could probably find this online, uh, of Mick Jagger on some kids show as like a little kid. And, um, I think he was like, he was talking about like hiking safety or something. And I remember like him showing boots and like, uh, the, the host of the show talking about his hiking boots or something, or maybe demonstrating something. Um, but wild man, I, I, I don't know why that's fascinating to me. Just somebody that has an enormous amount of popularity and you know them as at a time as an adult and to see them, back then knowing what they would become is is kind of kind of uh uncanny and and absolutely uh always always riveting for whatever reason i don't know i get a kick out of it uh i'm gonna hand things over right now to our friend rachel from des moines with the chart chat take it away rachel thanks andy hello and welcome back to rachel's chart chat for another week thanks to everyone who listened last week i got some nice messages from some folks jill who remembered shake you down Tony, whose mom got to see the Brothers Johnson live and thought they were singing Get the F Out My Face. And Tony, as well as Jeffrey, the once and future VJ Big Suit, mentioned liking the Mary Kay Play song Baby Boy. So I'm glad I threw that one on the picks. And thanks also to my friend Melinda for tuning into the show. From the 70s this week, we're in November 3rd of 1973. And starting off at number 97 is My Old School by Steely Dan. This will make it to number 63. This is the second single from their second album, Countdown to Ecstasy. Uh, we previously had their song, Showbiz Kids. My Old School tells the story of them being arrested for in a drug bust while they were students at Bard College. And you can read up on that one on Wikipedia. The guitar solo on this one is really great. It's by Jeff Skunk Baxter of the Doobie Brothers. And interestingly, I saw on the Wikipedia page that there was four sax players credited for this one. But I don't know if it was, you know, alto, tenor... Barry or what was happening there, but really great, great one for the saxophone fans. At number 92 is I Won't Last a Day Without You by Maureen McGovern. This would get to number 89, and Maureen is best known for her song The Morning After, which had been the theme of the Poseidon adventure. I picked this one because I liked how she interpreted the song versus the Carpenter's version. I, when I listen to her sing, I feel like she could have been an amazing prog rock singer, like if she had a good band behind her. She kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, other female prog singers. There's a connection between Marie McGovern and another artist on our chart picks this week. After she wasn't really involved in pop as much, uh, she went on to perform on Broadway and took over the role of Mabel in Pirates of Penzance from Linda Ronstadt. At number 91 is Stealin' by Uriah Heep, and that was as high as that would get. Uh, this is the first single off of their sixth album, Sweet Freedom, and Wikipedia describes it as a concept album. 
the song wasn't wasn't much of a hit, but it did chart at number nine in Norway. And I think this one is great to sing along to, especially in the car. So that was just the intro, obviously. Um, just a part of the intro. You really have to hear the whole thing. Go out to the playlist or look it up on YouTube. You gotta check it out. At number 76 is Show and Tell by Al Wilson. This will go on to hit number one. The song is from the album of the same name, and I read that the album cover photo was taken by Lamont McLemore of The Fifth Dimension, who was also a legit photographer in addition to his work as a vocalist and composer. Al Wilson is from Meridian, Mississippi, and he moved to Los Angeles after serving in the military. And Show and Tell was his only number one, but he had a few other uh, entries into the top 40 and to the R&B charts. At number 11 is Photograph by Ringo Starr. This would also go on to hit number one. And this was the first single off of his third album, simply called Ringo. And he was the third Beatle to have a U.S. Hot 100 number one hit. Uh, the song was written with George Harrison, and I read that it was the only song credited to the two of them. Sometimes Ringo kind of gets a bad rap or that he's, you know, not talented or, or what have you, but I think this song is really great, and when I went to listen to it, you know, in preparation for this, I found it very moving, very emotional, and then later I saw that he performed it at the concert for George after George Harrison passed away, and they play it, and they're able to, you know, play it in like a little faster tempo, and it's a very happy rendition, and I feel like if it was me, I would just be a total mess trying to sing this one after, you know, losing my close friend, as Ringo and George surely were. Turning to the 80s, we're in November 6th of 1982, and overall this chart has a great mix of styles and a lot of things that are very recognizable from the era, but then other songs we were like, that's from 82? At number 96, starting off, we have Yaz with their song Situation. This would make it to number 73, but it was a number one dance hit in the US. And in the UK, this was the B-side of Only You and did not make the album. And in the US, it was the 12-inch version was released on their album Upstairs at Eric's. For me, I prefer, I guess, the single version, uh, talking 344 versus 540. And the song was remixed in 1990 and again in 99. I feel like uh, GarageBand software application owes Yaz some money because that intro feels like there's a loop that's very similar to that. If you've ever messed around with GarageBand. At number 90, we have Judas Priest with You've Got Another Thing Coming. This would make it to number 67. I read this was off of their eighth album, Screaming for Vengeance. And it was their only Hot 100 appearance. And Judas Priest are 2022 Rock Hall inductees. And uh, their lead singer, Rob Halford, was just on The Best Show with Tom Sharpling. And uh, this was, according to Wikipedia, there's a quote from guitarist K.K. Downing. He's quoted as saying, this was a song that broke them in the United States. I saw a great comment on the YouTube page for this song from user Zalim. Perfect song to regain motivation in life if you feel like you lost everything. I have to agree. At number 63 is Baby Come To Me, which is a duet between Patty Austin and James Ingram. This will go on to hit number one. And this was the, uh, actually the second time it had appeared on the chart. It was released back in April of 
82 and only peaked at number 73, uh, but then it was used on General Hospital, gained in popularity, it was re-released, and would eventually go on to hit number one. This is off of Patty's album Every Home Should Have One, and the title track of that one is also great. Uh, this is featured in a fa- notable Time Life compilation, uh, Body Talk. Perhaps you remember the, the ads for that one. At uh, number 52 is Destination Unknown by Missing Persons. That will go on to hit number 42, uh, just like their previous single, Words, did. And as I mentioned before when we featured them, I don't know why they weren't bigger, um, but whatever has, you know, the cultural thought of the 80s or what have you has kind of put them, you know, given them their due later on, I would say. They seem to be more regarded now. At number 38, uh, we have Heartbreaker by Dionne Warwick. This will go on to hit number 10. I learned that she has the honor of being the second most charted female vocalist of the rock era. Um, Her songs had the second most entries on the Hot 100 besides Aretha Franklin. And her songs appeared on the pop, R&B, and adult contemporary charts very consistently from the 60s through the 80s. And this song was written by Barry Morris and Robin Gibb. And I feel like you can really tell that in just the arrangement and everything but then Barry is also on backing vocals and I feel like you you didn't need to do that we know it's a song by you guys you didn't need to also sing on it but he sounds great like always this is just kind of a surprising one I feel like um just shows the longevity that Dionne Warwick had and maybe kind of got her back on people's radar that they were happy to hear the uh, that's what friends are for a few years after this at number 31 we have Get Closer by Linda Ronstadt so go on to hit number 29 it was from the album of the same name, her 11th. Not a lot to say about this one. It's just a nice short song. Uh, it is in 7-4 time. Has good energy. Oddly enough, Patty Austin did backup vocals on this one. And it was written by John Carroll of the Starland Vocal Band. At number 21, we have Rush with New World Man. And that was their highest charting U.S. Hot 100 single and only their only top 40 appearance. And so 21 was the peak for that one. It was the first single off of their ninth studio album, Signals, with a Dalmatian on the cover. And there was no video for this one, and I don't know why this was like the one that hit, um, if it was maybe their growing popularity after Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures in 80 and 81, respectively. I had to research some more about that. I saw that the, the single had a B-side, which is a live version of Vital Signs, which I definitely want to track down because that's one of my favorite underrated Rush songs. And it did hit number one on Canada's RPM chart. And finally, from the 80s this week, we have Neil Diamond at number seven, on its way to number five with Heart Light. And I have to tell you, I've been waiting for this one. It's not that I even love this song, I just love the story behind it, which it goes that uh, Neil Diamond went with uh, his friends Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager, who were married at the time, to go see E.T., the extraterrestrial, in theaters. And they were so inspired by how much they loved the movie that they wrote this song. And so if you remember from when the E.T., his heart was glowing inside of him, and they wrote this song about that. And the lyrics even mention taking a ride across the moon. And there's such similarities that Neil had to pay MCA Universal $25,000 because of draw- the song drew on material from the film. But I bet if you asked him, he'd say it was worth it. And this was his last top 10 appearance in the Hot 100. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Awesome stuff, as per usual. Boy, that 82 chart was something. Man, oh man. Judas Priest on the U.S. pop charts? Wild. That interview, by the way, 
that Sharpling does with Rob Halford. If you haven't heard it, check it out. It is wonderful, wonderful. Rob Halford is such such a charming, charming fellow. Uh, really, really cool that uh, Tom was able to get get him to uh, talk with him for the show. Also, Baby Come to Me from Patty Austin and James Ingram. I had had no idea about the uh, General Hospital connection, but uh, I did watch a lot of General Hospital as a little boy. <laughs> I was uh, I was taking care of my grandmother because my my mom worked full time, so after school I was taking care of my grandmother. And oh yeah, it was uh, it was soaps in the afternoon, and General Hospital was one of those soaps. Yeah, for sure. Wild about that. Uh, how that kind of gave it a bump that the uh, the song reemerged to go to number one after its appearance on that show, very cool. And also, uh, Neil Diamond I and mean, Turn on Your Heartlight. I remember, and I remember it being associated with ET. I'd had no idea that Neil Diamond had to pay twenty five thousand dollars to the the to the movie studio because it was his song was inspired by the movie. I think it's kind of ridiculous because he never mentions ET, but I suppose. I'm sure $25,000 was nothing compared to what he made from that song, as it was a huge, huge hit. Anyway, this has been episode 254 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.